Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 16, and 17 about the armor of God. Think of your Bible. Was there someone that we could look to and say, you know what, if ever there was a person who knew how to pull a rhema word out in in a temptation, here's the guy. You know who he was? Jesus Christ. And the devil came to him, and he was uh, driven out into the wilderness by the Spirit right after his baptism, right after the Father said, he opened the clouds, and he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for how many days? 40 days. And he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the number 40 is to take you back to the 40 years of what? Wandering in the wilderness. What they failed to do being tempted by the devil, he will do. He will stand strong where they fell to temptation. That's, that's the connection. So he's, as our merciful and faithful high priest, he goes and he's got to be tempted by the devil. And Luke seems to indicate that over the 40-day period, he was tempted over and over again. And he had not eaten anything for 40 days. Now, scientifically, that is possible. But they say you, you pass a threshold where... When you're on a fast, uh, you're hungry, 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 and then you stop being hungry, and at day 40, you become hungry again, and your body knows you're dying. If you don't get food, you're dead. And the devil comes to him and says, well, if you're the Son of God, and you could translate it, since you're the Son of God, uh, command these what? Stones to become bread. Now, in the area that Jesus was, there's pictures you can see him in Bible dictionaries. There's a bunch of limestone rocks around, and they strangely look like loaves of bread and the devil said hey here's the implication god's not taking care of you aren't you the son of god why haven't you eaten for 40 days we don't eat for 40 minutes we're like, hey, i'm famished right or do you ever do this you have that clock at the drive-thru why did they ever put that clock there it's been two minutes and 42 seconds they go to mexico for that burrito what's going on <laughs> we do this stuff like that. I'm suffering here. Haven't eaten since 40 minutes ago or whatever. That's teenagers, actually. That's what they do. And Jesus responded, It is written. Single word is gegraptai in Greek. The idea of the language is it stands written. Man shall not live on bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when he quotes that, he's quoting it from the setting of the wilderness wanderings of Israel and what God was trying to drive into their souls is it's not about the bread, guys. It's about me. It's about spiritual things. And Jesus quotes that passage, right? So the devil comes at him again. And uh, he tempts him, uh, what's, what's the second one? The pinnacle of the temple or vice versa? But he wants him to, to test God and uh, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. And they say there's stories of people who are claiming to be the Messiah, even in the first century, that thought that was the acid test to prove that you were from God. So there's a story of uh, Simon the Magician. We don't know if it was really him or not. But there's one legend that he went to the peak of the temple and he took a swan dive out uh, off of it. And his dive was good. 
His landing? Not so good. And so uh, they thought this was proving it. And the devil, do you remember? He quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus. Well, if you want to quote the Bible, okay. For the scripture says his angels will, right? I'm paraphrasing, take charge over you and uh, unless you, you dash your foot against the stone. They'll, they'll hold you up. Which angels? Not yours, Lucifer, right? I'm sure your angels wouldn't be there. Right? Uh, I can quote the scriptures too. Was there a Gideon Bible under a rock somewhere? How did Lucifer know the Bible? Because he knows it. And I've heard a lot of scholars say, he misquoted the Bible. I'm not sure he did. We can talk about it later. But you know what he did? He misapplied the Bible. In a passage that was really declaring that God would take care of the Messiah, and it's a messianic psalm, Psalm 91. And it's a, it's a psalm about trust. What the enemy was trying to get Jesus to do was test God and, and do something to put him to the test. And Jesus said, no, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Who tested God in the wilderness wanderings over and over and over again? Israel. See, he is coming to fulfill what they failed to do. And, and the enemy took him to the pinnacle of the temple, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and basically said, you know what, you can take a shortcut. Um, just bow down to me. See, all this stuff belongs to me anyway. And uh, just bow down to me and I'll give it all to you. You don't have to go the way of the cross, right? And Jesus said, it is Gegraptai, written. It stands written. You could say it was written, it stands written, and it will be written forever. You shall worship the Lord your God alone, and him alone shall you, what? Serve, I'm not bound down to you. Get out of here, Satan. And he resisted the devil, and the devil did what? Just what the Bible says he will do. He fled from him. Until, Luke 4, 13 a more opportune time. He's always looking for opportune times. When you're hungry, when you're poured out, when you may be doubting God's faithfulness to you, that's when he comes. And you have to be ready with the sword. Do you see it? Your master swordsman showed you how you do it. He pulled the rhema word out to the direct temptation of the enemy. And he said, no, that's not true. Here's what is true. And he responded each time with the word of God. It is written. And he wasn't quoting People magazine. He was quoting the Bible. He knew the word of God and he used the word of God to fend off the enemy. And finally, the enemy left him. Just exactly what the Bible says to do. Now, you know what? You know why we get in trouble with temptation? There's many reasons, but here's one. We don't bring God into our temptations often. I mean, to be blunt, sometimes we say, hey God, could you uh, not watch me for the next 15 or 20 minutes? Because I'm about to sin and uh, I'd prefer that I could uh, do this privately. But the truth of the matter is, that's not going to happen. See, God is an ever-present help, but we, we don't bring him into the temptation often. What we do is we tend to kind of um, almost recluse ourselves away from the things of God and what Jesus actually wants you to do when you're tempted is to come to him but we're sometimes we're embarrassed God I'm not sure if you knew this about me but I have a weakness for this particular thing oh really I had no idea that you were wrestling with that now human beings do that you shock us sometimes when you say right I don't know if you knew this okay that could shock a person 
It's not going to shock God. He already knows what you're wrestling with. Do you remember when Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and said, uh, sleep with me, sleep with me. And Joseph said, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. And listen to how he responded. He said, how could I do this and sin against God? And then he even went horizontal and against my master. He brought God into it. And the Bible says in Genesis, day after day, she said, sleep with me. It'll be fine. We can, we can have a, a little fun on the side here. It's not a problem. Day after day, she was in his ear. And the implication is Joseph kept saying, how could I do this and sin against God? He kept bringing God into it. It's pretty inconvenient when people are wanting to sin and you keep bringing God into it. it it'll, it'll rain on that parade. You know. I, I remember years ago, I was in sales for a printing company and I was an account executive and I did a lot of big corporate meetings and there was a girl that was frankly coming on to me and it was a big client and I, I had been married for quite a number of years. I had an unbelieving boss, but he knew that I was a pastor. And so I said, I shared this with him. I said, look, got this big client. It looks like it's going to be a big contract, but frankly, this girl is coming on to me. And I said, what do you think I should do? And he said, just talk to her about Jesus. <laughs> and he was an unbeliever. So anyway... Praise the Lord, it can even come from the world. All right, so <laughs> turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, we're almost done. 1 Corinthians 10. For the sake of time, let's just look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Okay, first thing you need to know, temptation is the same for everybody. Everybody's in the same battle, me included. We're all in it. It's common to every one of us. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted. The context is temptation just, just for clarification purposes, this is not about life as a Christian or testing in general. Okay, This is specifically about temptation. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. In other areas of your life, you will often face things that are way more than you can handle. All right, We could have that discussion separately, but I've heard a lot of Christian cliches. God won't give you any more than you can handle. Uh, I don't know what Bible you're reading. Because everybody, I've all the major heroes of the Bible, it seemed like there was much more than they could handle. The point was, God w would ask them to let him uh, be the one that they would trust in. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I can part rivers. I can part oceans. I can deal with giants. I can deal with armies that outnumber you way more. So, But it's, this is temptation. He says, He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, it doesn't really say here he'll take it away. It says he will what? Provide. Look in your Bible. It says the way. That's a singular. The way. It reminds me of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way is a singular way. It's the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What is the way of escape? It's always the same. There's only one way of escape. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. The way is a singular way. It's the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What is the way of escape? It's always the same. There's only one way of escape. It is to bring him into your temptation so that you can walk through the fire with his strength with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down to your idol. We believe God can save us. We even believe he will. But even if he doesn't, Exodus 20 says, you shall not bow down to idols, and we're not bowing down to your idol. And so into the fire they went. But who was in the fire with them? Jesus Christ. That's right. That's how it works. So it may be a very tough thing for you to make this connection and say, you know what, the next time I'm tempted to walk down that street, I am going to bring the Lord into it. I'm going to say, Lord, I am tempted to fill in the blank. You know where I'm at. You know how many times I've gone down that street and hit my head on that dead end sign. I'm tired. Help. And you say, okay, if you do that, how does he help you? Well, just the fact that you prayed is a good start. And then, I think Hebrews 4 makes it clear that he will stabilize you in the storm. That is, he'll come into it with you and he'll say, you can make it. And doesn't it seem like with a lot of temptations, just getting past that initial whatever it is, you're almost through it already. You just have to get over that that initial uh, temptation to go that way and he will strengthen you. So, okay, read your Bible, memorize, and... Meditate. The Hebrew word for meditate speaks of uh, pondering, musing over. Harry Ironside is a great example of a preacher full of God's word. Under his mother's guidance, Harry began to memorize scripture when he was three. By age 14, he had read through the Bible 14 times, once for each year of his life. During the rest of his life, he read the Bible through at least once a year. A pastor friend told me of a Bible conference at which uh, Ironside uh, was there. Uh, He was one of two speakers there. During the conference, the speakers discussed their approaches to personal devotions. Each man shared what he had read from the Word of God that morning. 
When it was Ironside's turn, he hesitated and then said, I read the book of Isaiah for my devotions. He was saturated with the word of God and uh, the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters. That's what he read for his morning devotions. Um, Mrs. Barnhouse, the uh, wife of the famous preacher Donald Gray Barnhouse said of her famous preacher husband, someone once asked him how long it took him to prepare a certain sermon. His answer was 30 years and 30 minutes. He had immersed himself in the Bible from the time he was 15 years old when he memorized the book of Philippians, a verse a day until he knew the entire book by heart. Then he went on to other passages. He felt that it was not enough to learn by rote. It had to be heart because you loved it and believed it. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, this is really about your heart. This is really about what you sow to is going to come out of your life. This is really about being able to wield the sword with reading your Bible, meditating on your Bible. The man who meditates on the word of God, a day and night he will be like a tree planted by streams of water who bears fruit in its season, right? His, his leaf will not wither or be dry and whatever he does will prosper. No secret here. Uh, someone was asking a well-known preacher, what's the secret to good preaching? He said, good preparation. That's the secret. Study and study some more. Uh, some sermons have been brewing in me for the last 25 years. And I can understand what Barnhouse is saying. I've added to them little by little as God's shown me more things about himself and his word. And I'll give you one final thing and I will leave you with the book of James. James chapter 1. Didn't I say the last passage was the last one? Anyway, Sorry. Pray for me. James 1. <laughs> Look at verse 21. And I'll just remind you that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? That's Hebrews 4.12. Go back and read that later. You'll find that the sword is connected to the rest of Israel. They failed to enter the rest because they didn't stand on God's promises. That's Hebrews 4.11. And then when you read after 4.12, you'll find that the high priestly ministry of Jesus is laid out for you. So read that later. That's Hebrews 4, 11 through 16. But this is the final one. Okay, so I told you, read, uh, meditate, memorize. Here's another thing. James 1.21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Keep reading. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Okay, the last thing. Read it, meditate, memorize, and apply it. Application. So if you want T-I-O-N, endings, meditation, memori memorization, and application. And one, I think the main thing that will keep you from application is sin. That's why James says, put away this stuff and then you'll be able to receive the implanted word. In other words, I think sin deflects some of the word of God that wants to go deeper in our souls. I think sin is a barrier. When I'm sinning, I don't want to hear the word of God. People who have disappeared from churches and we haven't seen them for quite some time, 
I'll make a pretty good uh, conjecture here. They're probably caught up in sin. And they know that if they come into this Bible, you know what they're going to hear? The Word of God. And it's not going to be pleasant. At least in a lot of cases. And so when you get serious about God, one of the things that God says is, get rid of sin and the Word will plant deeper in your soul. Get it out of your life. And prove yourself to be, 22, a doer of the word and not merely a hearer because someone who hears the word of God and doesn't do it is, according to James, self-deluded. They hear it, but they have deceived themselves. This is the worst kind of deception. James 1.22, it is self-deception. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, He has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Amen? So go back full circle now. I got to have the helmet in place and all the other pieces so I can remember what kind of person I am. You ever just do that? Oh, that's right. I'm a Christian. Right? This is what Christians do. This is what we should be doing. You ever do some of that self-talk? I'm a Christian. That's right. I probably shouldn't slug this guy right now. That might be a bad testimony. Amen? Father, thank you so much for the precious people who have come out tonight to study your word. It's a blessing to our lives. Thank you for providing the armor of God. We are all imperfect. We all fall short. However, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are confident that with these pieces in place, we can walk in victory. We're never going to be perfect, but we can be experiencing more and more victory as we put on the armor. Also realize right after a Bible study like this, Lord, the enemy would love to find an opening. Right after we've studied the, the word of God about the armor, he would love to stumble us. So please help us to be uh, a people who recognize our moments of weakness and not give in to them. Let us truly walk out of here, not just merely as a hearer, but a doer. That's your measurement. That's what a wise man is like. He builds his house upon the rock because he hears what you say and he does it. And Lord, that is uh, our battle, we know. But help us to follow through with what we know. For most of us, it's not about a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of application. Let us trust you enough to believe that when the tempter comes, we can take these pieces and be protected and victorious and he will flee from us. That's the promise we have. We submit to you, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So with that promise in mind, please help your people to be uh, just experiencing more and more victory because they've been saturated in this chapter which gives us so many keys about how to do it. So thank you for it. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Armor of God, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 16 and 17. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, brethren, we have a shield of faith with which we can extinguish all of the fiery arrows of the evil one, and we have a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What a combination. What a beautiful picture here about a defensive shield and an offensive weapon called the sword of the Spirit, and it also helps us on defense as well. This is what God has provided to us in the armor of God, and it's been exciting to share it. You know, um, I've been hearing feedback from our listeners and from our team, and it's exciting to see, even for those of you who have been Christians for a long time and, you know, you've been through the armor of God, you kind of get the concept some new angles to look at this. Uh, the diamond's been turned a little bit more, if you will, and a new application, I think, for some of us as well. And you can never really get too much of this because we need all we can put on that God provides in this battle against the world, the flesh, and the enemy. So glad you're listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we're going to be talking about the seventh piece of armor tomorrow, and it might surprise you that the seventh piece of armor is prayer. Maybe not that prayer is a piece of the armor, but that it's actually here in Ephesians chapter six, and it is. And seven is the number of completion or perfection. We need all seven pieces. So tune in tomorrow, tell a friend about what you're hearing, and Lord willing, we will see you here tomorrow. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 6, 18 through 24, called The Seventh Piece of Armor. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.